how I use this complicated photography stuff to take photos. Hi and a very warm welcome to episode 166 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host Greg and in each episode I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes-ish without the irrelevant details. I'm a professionally qualified photographer based in England with a lifetime of photographic experience which I share with you in my podcast. First, here is the answery bit. And the answery bit is the 21 complicated things that I use when taking photos. So rather than going through the list, I'm just going to go through them one by one. But I'm going to go through them. What, why, why not? Aperture, shutter speed, ISO, exposure triangle, white balance, back button focus, self-timer, depth of field, exposure compensation, auto-exposure bracketing, raw files, memory cards, DSLR camera, wide-angle lens, lens hood, tripod, tripod head, universal L-bracket, grey card, camera batteries and memory cards. OK, that was the um, 21 items which form the answer a bit. So where's this all come from? Well, I mentioned this complicated photography stuff in the last episode, which was titled Do I really need a camera in 2023 or will my phone do instead? Which is an annual post. And it was under the heading, Complicated Photography Stuff I Love and Use. So that's where this came from. And yep, the list and title have changed, but the point remains, these are 21 things I use every time I take a photo. Now, on the face of it, this sounds like a scary prospect, doesn't it? And while I think about it, this makes a much better title. 21 things I use every time I take a photo. Yeah, that would have worked better, but it's a bit late now, isn't it? So I'm going to crack on. But don't worry. I'll put all these bits together and I'll tell you how I make this lot work and how I use this stuff to take, well, <laughs> my, my script says to get great pictures. Well, the best pictures that I can. I mean, who am I to say that my photos are great photos? Certainly not me, is it? So first, I'm going to go through this little lot quickly, one by one. So this episode, it's actually packed full of good stuff. and I, I can't wait to get into it. Just going to adjust this little thingy here. Little thingy adjusted. One, aperture. Well, I use f8 on my Canon 17 to 40 millimeter lens, and this gives me the sharpest images and the depth of field that I need. And if I've got something close in the foreground, I'll change it to f16. Now, normally the subject matter is the building, so f8 at that focal length of 17 mil, it works a lot of the time for me. But then again, different subject matters can call for a bit more depth of field, or if you want to go the other way, less depth of field but that's not what I do. Number two, shutter speed. Well, I'm using AV mode on my Canon 6D, and yeah, AV mode should have been on that list, so it should be 22. I dread to think what I'm going to get up to by the end of this. In AV mode, I choose the aperture, and the camera chooses the shutter speed. Now, my camera's on a tripod, and as I photograph buildings that aren't moving, well, you hope not, don't you? I'm not really bothered by the shutter speed, am I? So the camera can select a fast or slow shutter speed, but it's, it's pretty much all the same for me and what I do. See, the way I work, I don't have to worry about these different settings when that leaves me to concentrate on what I'm taking photos of, which has to be a good thing. Number three, ISO. I use ISO 100. This is the lowest native ISO on my Canon 6D. This gives me the highest quality. My camera's on a tripod, so I don't need a higher ISO to get a faster shutter speed. But if I need to, because every now and then I do have to shoot handheld, I'll first go to ISO 200 or 400, 
and only go any further if I need to to prevent me from getting a blurry photo. So the general principle here is use the lowest ISO that you can for the best results and, and that includes getting a sharp photo of course. Not on the script, quick digression, a noisy photo is better than a blurry photo. A blurry photo, no use to anybody. Number four, the exposure triangle. Now I use the exposure triangle to get the exposure right in challenging lighting conditions. I'll take a photo first using my default settings and I check the photos and I know if, if there's going to be a problem by the lighting. And if there is a problem, I'll change the camera settings to ensure I get the best exposure possible. More on that in a bit, I think. White balance. Don't shoot me. I use auto white balance, including a grey card, which I will come on to in a bit, which I put in the photo that I can use to select the correct balance white balance. <laughs> that I can use to select the correct white balance later in Lightroom. And as I'm using RAW format, I can select the white balance after the event in Lightroom. And that's fine. It's, it's fine to do that. Honest. Back button focus number six. I use the AF on button on the back of my camera to focus. I've assigned this function to this button using the custom settings. So when I press the shutter release button, it meters but does not focus. Now, I've worked like this for years, and while well, it might sound a bit odd, it works for me. It's um, often used by sports photographers, so people can sort of pre-focus and then just take the photos when they need to. But it works for me, I like it, and that's fine. Seven, self-timer. I use the self-timer in my Canon 6D to take photos. Yep, the self-timer built into the camera. I usually use the 10-second self-timer. I do this so I know that my camera's dead still on my tripod. And this is another thing that helps me to get the sharpest images that I can. So if you use the shutter release button, there's a chance of camera movement, which could result in camera shake and could result in blurry photos. I used to have remote releases, but I got rid of them all because the self-timer, it just works for me and it's one less thing that I need. Now, sometimes I do use the two-second self-timer and most often that's when there's lots happening around me. I need to get set up and take the photos as quickly as possible. Because when you're photographing a building at completion of the construction phase, people don't want to stand around for 10 seconds waiting for you to take a photo. So two seconds works. Believe it or not, that eight seconds, it does make all the difference. Eight, depth of field. Well, this is the amount of a photo from front to back that is sharp. I want everything sharp in, I don't know, 99.9% .9 of the photos that I take. And using F8 at 17mm on a full frame camera does this for me. And as I, I touched on this before, F16 comes into play if something's very close to me in the foreground. Number nine, exposure compensation. I mentioned the exposure triangle earlier. Most of the time, what I do gives me the correct exposure. If it does not, or in challenging lighting conditions, I will have to tweak the exposure. Now I'm working in AV mode, so what I do is I use exposure compensation. I rotate the dial on the back of the camera and the shutter speed changes, which gives me brighter or darker images. And I've set my camera so that each time I rotate the dial on the back of my camera, the uh, little click and that's a, a half stop adjustment. And this is the quickest way to refine the exposure. Now I'm using the exposure triangle, but not in a having to stop and make adjustments. It's just levels of brightness. That's all you need to do. You don't need to overthink these things. And then the next thing which ties in nicely is auto exposure bracketing. I take three photos. The first is the correct exposure. 
the second two stops underexposed and the third two stops overexposed. I merge the three photos in Lightroom and that gives me more of the lights and the darks than I would get with a single photo. And no, this is not a bad thing to do by the way. This, in my eyes, is smart photography. All I'm doing is using the features in my camera to create the best work that I can. Auto exposure bracketing, aka AEB. Ooh, two acronyms together there, if they're, if they're called acronyms. I've been pulled up for that before. It's a setting on a Canon camera, so it can't be a bad thing, can it? It's there for us to use it. It's there to help us, so it's fine. Number 11, RAW. On my Canon 6D, I've got the option of JPEG or RAW file format. Now, these are actually image quality settings. With RAW photos, the camera is not doing any processing. Well, other than creating the image itself by converting light into digital stuff. However, with JPEG, there is processing done to every image. I don't want this. I want to do this all myself. And there's a big difference between what you can get using JPEG and RAW. And I get the highest quality images with the maximum data by using the RAW file format. 12. Memory cards. Well, I, I only use 16 gigabyte and 32 gigabyte memory cards. And if I take loads of photos, I'll split the photos over more than one card. Now, for a holiday, I'll use one memory card one day and then I'll move on to a new card the next day. I have a strict regime for memory card management and I replace the cards every two to three years. Yet, yeah, I really do look after my memory cards and I've never had a problem with a card. Hmm, if that's not tempting fate, I don't know what is. I'm going to touch something wooden, a.k.a. my head. Number 13, DSLR camera. Well, my go-to camera, it's a Canon 6D, which I use for my architectural photography, my construction photography, my real estate photography, and also for my landscape photography, which is the personal stuff that I do. Now, I've been using digital cameras since 2003. That's 20 years. Well, of course it's 20 years, but... That's a long time, when you, which I'd never really thought about before. And I've been using the Canon 6D since 2014. It was a great camera when I bought it, and it's still a great camera in 2023. I use AV mode most of the time and manual mode when needed, which is why it's important you know to use manual mode. It's got a full-frame camera sensor, which is the central feature of the camera. The image sensor gives me great quality images, and this is my priority, great quality images. My aim with every photo that I take is to get the best image quality I can, and using full-frame sensors helps me to do just that. And my viewfinder allows me to compose using the rule of thirds and other helpful stuff. So I use the viewfinder and the LCD screen. I, um, <laughs> I've used the term flick-flack between before, and still not sure if that's a real term or not, but it doesn't matter. 14. Wide-angle lens. I use the Canon 17-40mm f4L zoom lens. It's a great lens, it's compact, super wide, and it gives excellent image quality. And in relative terms, it's not that expensive. And I use a 17mm focal length for most of my photos. And I probably use this lens for, I don't know, 95% of the photos that I take. Well, certainly these days. Um, yeah, I've got a telephoto lens, but I rarely use it. No, wide-angle lenses are a must for architectural and interior photography. And landscape photography and other photography, of course. Number 15, lens hood. I used the lens hood that came with my Canon 17-40mm lens. 
This gives me all the protection of that precious front lens element that I need. I do not use any kind of protective filter. In the past, I've used UV filters, protector filters, all sorts of things. But for, for many years now, I've just used the lens hood that comes with the lens. Now, I'm not saying you should not use a protective filter, as I don't know how you work. I don't know how you take photos. I don't know how careful you are. But I've not used one for years and nothing bad has happened. Hmm, tempting fate again there. Number 16, tripod. I take every photo that I can with my camera on a tripod. This helps me to get the best compositions that I can and the sharpest, most technically correct photos possible. Did I say correct then? I thought I did. So as a result, low light is not a problem for me. It just means I use longer shutter speeds. Nothing else changes. And long exposures and low ISOs allow me to get the details and the shadows with minimal noise. So the way I work, I don't need to worry about a lot of this stuff. Tripod head. Well, I use a geared head to get the exact composition I want with horizontals and verticals all sorted in camera wherever possible. So I'm, again, I'm looking to take the best quality photos that I can and this will save me time in Lightroom later on because I, I hate fiddling around getting things level and vertical. Number 18, universal L bracket. I use an L bracket which allows me to switch from portrait to landscape orientation without moving my tripod head. This is a massive time saver and it allows me to go from landscape to portrait pretty much instantly. I take photos in landscape mode as a default, but on every shoot there are rooms that I can only capture in portrait mode, so I need to use this on every shoot. Do these things cost a lot? Well, no. The old bracket I've got, it cost me about 25 quid, and that, <laughs> that must be 10 years ago now. And yes, you can spend a lot of money on stuff like this, but at the end of the day, it's an L-shaped piece of metal that some threads and screws go into, so it doesn't need to be expensive to do the job, and mine isn't. Number 19, grey card. I place a grey card in the first photo and then take another photo without the grey card in. And I repeat this process every time that the light changes. So if I'm in, in a building where the lighting is the same in every room, I only do it once. But when the light changes, I will take a photo with the grey card in again and I will repeat that process as and when needed. And this is what I do in Lightroom. So when I'm processing the photos, I click on the grey card with the white balance eyedropper tool and 99 times out of 100, that's my white balance done. It's simple and very, very effective. 20, camera batteries. I've got four Canon camera batteries and, and I rotate them so they get used in turn. And they're numbered one to four. Yes, I am that sad. And I make sure they're all charged before I go out on a shoot. So yeah, again, like the memory cards, I look after my batteries. And I store them in individual slots in my camera bag. Very important point there. You don't want your batteries rubbing together because you can get problems. So keep them separate. And especially if you're flying. There you go. Quick travel photography tip for you. 21 camera bags. I've got three camera bags at the moment. And I need a fourth bag. A very specific bag for a very specific reason. So as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as the perfect camera bag. I've got different camera bags for different circumstances, different needs and different uses. But the bags that I have do two things. They help me to get the photos that I need and they protect my gear. Now, I don't care what they look like. My bags are tools just like any other piece of gear. 
into which I put the camera body, lenses and other stuff. Right, that's, um, that's what I do, not on a regular basis, but literally every time I take photos. Yes, I've been doing this for a long time, refining my workflows to help me get the best pictures that I can every time. That was the longest answery bit ever, so here is the talky bit. Yes, I've established before, a better title for this episode would have been 21 things that I use every time I take a photo, or 21 things to help you take great photos. And it's probably not 21, it's probably more like 25 now with the things that I've thought about whilst I've been talking. Didn't think about them when I was writing it, so this is a genuine ad-lib. But the point is this. All these things contribute to every photo that I take. Each of these things contributes in its own way, some more than others, of course, but they all contribute to helping me to get the best composition, the best exposure and the sharpest photo every time. So every time I take a photo, I'm using all these small things together to give me the best photos that I can. It's this consistency that I'm after getting these three things the best I can every time I take a photo. Yes, as professional photographers, we work very hard on the consistency of our images. And there's a very good reason for this, which I'll come on to. Actually, I might not come on to it, so I'll mention it now. See, I want my photos to look the same. So when you look at my photos, you know what you're going to get when you commission me. And if you don't like the look of the photos I create, that's absolutely fine. My look is my look and I need to get that consistency and I can do repeat jobs for clients and the the photos, they sort of sit together nicely. So it's very, very important to me and it's important to get the highest quality images every time. And to me, having done this photography thing for so long, these things aren't complicated to me. And this is the other point I want to make here. If you know what you're doing or need to do, practice these things and you will improve. And this is what my podcast is all about. Let's not forget that. This is not a sales pitch. This is what I want my podcast to do. I want it to help you, dear listener, to understand what you need to understand and tell you what you need to know to get started in photography and to develop your photography. And if you're beyond a beginner, just to improve your photography. That's what this is all about. And in brackets there, I've got new title alert. What you need to know to get started in photography. Now, that's an episode waiting to happen, isn't it? I'll add it to my list. See, it all starts with knowing what you need to know and then simply getting out there and doing it. And that's why I ask every episode for your questions, which I will be delighted to answer. So if you've got a question, just get in touch with me. And a quick word on my phone, just at the end of this talky bit. I don't do this all the time when I take my photos. No, I use my phone differently for different reasons, which which for me is fine. Talking of which... Talk a bit over, what if I use my phone to take photos and not a camera? Well, if you're only using a phone, that's it. You've got a phone. You don't have all that other stuff. So what are you actually missing out on? Well, a thought came to me as I wrote this. Should the next episode not be, wait for it, (laughs) how many of the 21 photography things I can use? Oh, easy for me to say. How many of the 21 photography things I use can you use when taking photos with a phone? That's dreadful, isn't it, as a title, but I might stick with it. Well, it makes sense, right? Why would you care about this if you only take photos with your phone? Well, I want to look into that. I mean, smartphone cameras, a term that I hate when I'm trying to cover all bases, they are pretty amazing, aren't they? But there's more to this. 
And yeah, let's not forget, you can get great photos with phones just as you can with DSLR cameras. And you can also get rubbish photos with DSLR cameras as well. As well. As well? As well. That's too many as well, isn't it? Right, okay, next episode sorted. And I'll also talk about how I take photos with my phone and how this might change now that I've finally thought about it. Right, time to move on and stop waffling. What if I use a film camera? Well, you've got pretty much all of the above. Obviously, take out memory cards, replace them with camera film, get rid of a few of the other digital modern bits, but uh, and you're in the same boat. Boat? We're not in a boat, are we? <laughs> no, you've got the same gear, but none of that digital stuff. Why did I say boat then? <laughs> but you still have the fundamentals. You've still got the aperture. You've still got the shutter speed. You've still got the ISO, camera lens, tripod, all that stuff. Film and digital photography are formed on the same principles. More than that, digital photography, it's evolved from film photography. DSLR cameras evolved directly from SLR cameras. And that's, let's, not, let's not forget. So, yeah, thinking about it, in some ways, photography's not evolved that much. It's, it's still based on the same things that it always was. And by that, I mean 35mm camera with a lens. SLR is now a DSLR. So I know it's gone digital. Other things have moved on. But it's surprisingly similar to how it has been for a long time. What do I do? As well as a full-frame camera, I also use a Micro Four Thirds camera, which I use for my travel photography work. Yep, my travel photography is work as well. It's also a change from a Canon 6D, because my travel photography stuff, there's some personal stuff, there's some work stuff, but it's nice to mix things up a bit and using a different camera is good. I photograph buildings, nice places, and buildings in nice places. Buildings are normally my main subject. And the rest of what I do, I've already covered it, so I'm going to move on. I mean, my podcast, it's not meant to be about me, is it, dear listener? Well, it is, isn't it? It's about my world of photography and how I can help you by teaching you the basics of photography, the good stuff that you need to know. But no, it's not really about me, is it? And I've realised something. I've never mentioned artificial light. See, I don't use external flash anymore. Now, I never got on with it, to be honest with you, and... It's not a bad thing for me, so natural lighting is what I use, be it the sun or the lights inside a building. Now, using natural light, it makes sense, and it it saves me from a whole heap of other stuff that I don't really like. Right, some thoughts from the last episode. Photography Explained podcast episode 165. Do I really need a camera in 2023, or will my phone do instead? Okay, I should have said in that episode that you can take photos in RAW using apps on phones. And there are apps that allow you to adjust more stuff than just by using the default camera app. And also that I can import a photo taken on my phone into Lightroom. And in theory, I can spend as much time editing that as I would a photo taken with my camera. But I don't do this. Now, taking a photo with my phone is still not as good as taking a photo with my camera. It just isn't. But This might change with that new phone I've mentioned. Let's see, eh? Next episode. It was going to be about the gear that I use, but I've covered this, albeit quickly, in this episode. And then I thought I'd do an episode titled How I Look After My Camera Gear, but now I'm doing the agonisingly badly titled How Many of the 21 Photography Things That I Use Can You Use When Taking Photos With A Phone? Mm, I think I might regret that, but we'll stick with it for now, eh? Okay, ask me a question. 
If you have a question you would like me to answer, the best way is to head over to the podcast website, photographerexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start, where you can find out what to do. And feel free just to say hi. It'd just be lovely to hear from you. Okay, I'm done. Well, this episode was brought to you by, um, it was a smoked cheese sandwich and a bag of cheese and onion crisp washed down with an ice cold Coke Zero. We've run out of Diet Pepsi before I settled in my homemade, acoustically cushioned recording emporium. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast, it says here, and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. Now, I reckon this episode will be about 25 minutes long after I've edited out the mistakes and other bad stuff. Okay, I'm done. Take care and stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.